Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Fast talk. Street talk. Talk radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio, the world headquarters of common sense and the only place to find the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, there is much to discuss on this chilly morning and as usual, there are plenty of questions. Number one, has Bristol become the Wild West in the wake of the decision by a jury to free the Colston Four, as they're rather laughably called, despite their admitting that they knowingly committed criminal damage in the pulling down and vandalising of a statue? Secondly, is Britain now full up as more people arrive on dinghies in the first week of 2022, even as the Home Secretary promises to clamp down once again on those people pretending to be younger than they really are? Exactly how many people is going to be enough for this government to say enough is enough? You can't come in. We're full up because, quite frankly, we certainly are. Thirdly, Will the NHS ever recover and become fit for purpose? Today we will do what we do on a regular basis here at the Independent Republic. We will be asking for your stories of how you're getting on with your doctor, how you're getting on uh, with treatments you're supposed to be getting, how you're getting on with appointments, how you're getting on uh, with the various uh, procedures that you may need to have done, which apparently you cannot have done at the moment, thanks to still the sort of COVID pandemic madness. Finally, when are people going to go back to work? We're going to be asking that question as well uh, with some people who know a thing or two about office workers. Three quarters of office workers have not returned to work today. The trade unions are telling people uh, to basically take a load of time off until the end of January. Why on earth don't people want to go back to work? 0344 499 1000. To help us with these and other problems, we are joined by a host of great guests, kicking off with Ben Habib, chairman of Brexit Watch and former Brexit Party MEP. Uh, former police officer and founder of Fair Cop Harry Miller is here as well with his take on that incredible incredible decision in Bristol, which basically says to me, if I don't like the look of somebody's shop, if I think somebody once voted for UKIP, maybe I'll just firebomb it and then tell the jury, actually, 
I'm on the right side of history here. Those horrible right-wingers that own shops, they should all be shut down, shouldn't they? Helen Dale is also here to help explain exactly what is going on with Novak Djokovic and the Australian government's bizarre decision to lock him up in a quarantine hotel. Not the best preparation for the Australian Open, as far as I know. I bet his manager's not going too well at the moment. We'll also bring you an update on the peeing postman from yesterday. And because it's Thursday, we'll be entertaining Helen and Nicklin from the Three Drinkers, who will supply some New Year delights. That's right. There won't be any um, uh, dry Januaries here. Uh, not on this watch, uh, because in fact, I'll be telling you exactly why that is a complete and utter waste of time. And also, as the big freeze sets in, we want to hear from you. What are your children being told at school? What are you hearing about going back to work in your offices? And just why are so many people taking so much time off? It's freezing out there, uh, but you should be going to work, for heaven's sake. Uh, we'll also be catching up with the latest on the travel business as well. Restrictions are going to be lifted on pre-departure tests and expensive PCRs on return. So that's pretty much it, isn't it? You can go away uh, with absolute and utter relaxation and enjoy 0344 499 1000 you're listening to me mike graham right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet it is of course talk radio the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio now there are many things to be joyful about but i'm always joyful about a blue sky which is what i'm seeing out there even though it's chilly it was minus two this morning when i came out of the house uh, but actually it's rather nice to have a winter uh, properly passing off as a winter you know i didn't want the sort of 15 degree new year's day i want the minus two frost on the car kind of day when i'm coming to work on a thursday i've been very confused this week by the way as to what actual day it is but uh, i'm assured that it is thursday tomorrow's friday and that will be the end of the first week of the new year uh, so i hope you've been able to get on the show i hope you've been able to tell us what you think we've been talking about masks in schools we've been talking about what boris does next we've been talking about sir keir starmer don't forget he's self-isolating again so we won't be hearing from him for a while angela rayner was up doing prime minister's questions yesterday today. Uh, let's kick things off though with Ben Habib, former MEP, Chairman of Brexit Watch, of course. Ben, a very happy new year to you. Welcome. A very happy new year to you, Mike. Now, I've got lots to talk to you about on the migrant front, but just before we do that, um, I'd love to hear your views on this remarkable uh, jury decision down in Bristol, which appears to say to the rest of the public in this country, um, don't worry about the law. Um, if you're doing something that you believe in, uh, we won't bother uh, actually penalising you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, Edward Coulson, for however which way we may judge Edward Coulson now, looking through the prism of morality in 2022, the fact is that he, uh, he went through his life as a law-abiding citizen, a great benefactor for Bristol, um, stood there, it, that, that statue stood there for 125 years mm. without any trouble. It certainly was not inciting any hate crime. And for a jury to be asked, to uh, put itself on the right side of history is effectively asking them to set aside uh, all the legal issues which they need to take into account and to judge this purely by their own political views. Mm. It's an absolutely abominable decision by the court. And I hope there's some way to appeal this and have it reversed. It should not stand. And if it does stand, then the government has to urgently pass laws to make sure this can never happen again. Mm. I mean, we see from uh, what's gone on in Bristol before that they've got a rather curious setup there. The mayor of Bristol uh, is a, about as far left as you can get. Uh, we've also got a situation where they quoted the police um, superintendent, I believe, from that particular day, um, saying that they'd done the right thing. And you think to yourself, well, hang on a minute, well, if the police and the mayor of the city are actually actively encouraging vandalism and criminal damage, then, you know, where are we exactly? Yeah, well, you know, I don't like the term woke, but our institutions, including the police and clearly now even our judiciary, are being hijacked mm. by woke. Yeah. You know, this and there's a kind of inherent anti-British um, 
uh, theme to all of this. There's a kind of self-hatred going on in Woke. They seem to hate the country which into which they've been born, which gives them succor, which protects them, uh, in, in which they live. And tearing down statues is no way to go about, you know, uh, treating treating the country in which you live. It's, yeah. it's absolutely, I find it abominable. And also I find it extraordinary, and, and you'll have had plenty of, uh, of, of business done with lawyers over the years, that we've got lawyers who are actually arguing the case that this act, which was in fact a crime, was done in order to prevent crimes from happening, i.e. people becoming victims of hate crime by walking past the statue. I mean, it's I almost laughable. Well, it is laughable. A statue that's been there for 125 years. And if you walk around, if you walk around Bristol, there are a great many buildings, actually, that exist as a result of uh, endowments from Colston, mm. including a school not so far from where the statue stood. Right. Um, this man did a great deal of good for Bristol. Yeah. And who the hell are these four people? And, and the court included, and the police officers who backed them, mm. to decide unilaterally that actually they're going to change history. It's absolutely unacceptable. And if you start judging historical figures through modernity, there's a skewed moral compass we have in 2022, you would tear down ancient Rome. Mm. You would get rid of all antiquities. They all, they all dealt in slaves. They all broke uh broke the code you know the moral code as we now see it um you you'd be on a hiding to nothing we'd have nothing left from antiquity it's an utter disaster that ruling it no, makes a mockery well, it of really the judicial does. system and despite what i heard their lawyer saying to julie hartley brewer this morning it creates a precedent and i've got russell here tweeting me saying uh what do you think would happen if i chucked mandela's statue in the thames today is it now okay to do that yeah. you know and these are questions <laughs> that people will be asking you know, I didn't yeah. like him. I thought he was a bit of a terrorist. <laughs> well, he was. He was inciting yeah. people to violence. That's what Mandela did. And, um, you know, it, this whole thing has just gone far too far. The mm. law needs to be enforced. It needs to be enforced blindly. Juries should not be asked to find themselves on the right side of history. That is not the application of the law. Um, and, and, and this decision should be reversal. The law needs to change to make sure that it never happens again. Mm, exactly right. Now, let's get on to the main business at hand, which is what I was going to talk to you about and which I will talk to you about now. Uh, we are in the first week of 2022. Already we've seen the first landings made uh, on the south coast of this country from uh, uh, the other side of the channel. Uh, we are, I, it would appear, to be in the same place as we were at the end of last year, uh, with more migrants coming over, Prissy Patel making more noises. The question I've got for you today, Ben, because we do this a lot and we talk about this a lot, is when is somebody going to just hold their hands up and go, do you know what? We're full up. Britain is already creaking. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the sort of the, um, the, the, the administration of the country, um, the, the, the fundamental services provided by doctors, dentists, schools. I mean, there's very few houses that people can go and live in. There's hardly any room in schools. There's no doctors. Well, well, absolutely. So you know, we can't keep taking people in, can we? Absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons we've got COVID restrictions is to protect the, protect the NHS. So presumably taking more people in across the channel is going to bring more pressure on the NHS. I mean, what, why, why are we, uh, you know, why, we, why does the government feel enabled to restrict the public from doing what it wants and yet allow more people to come in and put greater burdens on our system? Mm. Now, the whole thing, funny enough, actually, Mike, I think this is symptomatic of the same problem uh, that we've just been discussing about Edward Colson's statue coming down. You know, there's this kind of, a disconnect for, with reality with certain people in this country who aren't prepared again to stand up for the country. You know, even border force are threatening to strike 
if Priti Patel's suggestion of using jet skis to corral boats back into French waters is brought into force. Yeah. I mean, this is their job. It's their job yeah. to protect our borders. And they're going to strike if the Secretary of State, the, Ho the Home Secretary, requires them to do their job. Yes. It, it, it's, a, it's a joke. Mm. It's an utter joke. Well, I'm exactly right. I mean, at the moment, the border force seem to think their job consists of um, sort of uh, chugging out on a boat uh, to meet some people who are coming in on another boat and then helping them come into Britain illegally. Uh, it, it, the, the whole thing is deeply distressing. And, uh, you know, I was reading uh, up on, on Pretty Patel's new policy. I mean, in itself, it's, it's not that new, by the way. It came in in September. But in itself, it's pretty damn meek. You know, the... the, the, the Corralling back of boats is only allowed to take place in the narrowest part of the channel, only if there's a French boat there to escort them back mm. to the French coast, only if they're wearing life jackets, only if the boat that they're corralling is small enough to be corralled. Mm. I mean, the whole thing was incredibly restrictive anyway, but Border Force wasn't even prepared to give that effect. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't, uh, we, we don't have the courage to defend our borders. And I found it amusing I don't know if you noticed, Mike, but on New Year's Eve, the Prime Minister came out with a whole load of uh, declarations he was going to do um, for Brexit this year, how he's going to take advantage of all the freedoms that Brexit had given him. Yeah. And one of the first things he opened with was saying that, you know, we've taken back control of our borders. <laughs> <laughs> I read that. I just, you know, I just couldn't believe that that's what the Prime Minister was saying I mean, at the same time as these people are coming across the channel. Yeah, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid I couldn't get past the just get your booster. I think I, I, I mean, that was all I, I, think I sort of switched off mentally when I heard that. I was like, I don't know. What I, but this is the thing. I wonder whether these politicians of ours, Ben, have told themselves that, that, that they're in charge for so many years now that they actually believe it. Because not only have they not controlled the borders of the actual physical island, people have been flying into this country despite the fact that there's been a global pandemic on and nobody could go anywhere. I mean, something like 8 million people yeah. landed at Heathrow Airport, I think, in 2020 <coughs> alone, when nobody was During allowed lockdown. to go out of the country. It's extraordinary, <laughs> isn't it? Well, I, you know, I, I think this government really isn't fit for purpose. Mm. Um, you and I, I were one of the first, I think, to, to, to ask Johnson, for Johnson to resign and Yes. It really is high time he went. Um, it's just a fiasco. Yeah, I mean, there is fiasco. nothing in what he has done, uh, despite the fact that at least he did the right thing just before New Year by not locking everybody down. There's nothing else that he's done, which has changed my view from last year, which is that it's time for him to go. You know, he wants to put our taxes up. Yeah. Even Jacob Rees-Mogg says that shouldn't be happening. He wants to make us all go green and pay more money for our energy. He wants us to pay more money uh, for having an electric car instead of, uh, um, instead of having a, an ordinary diesel or a petrol car. You know, there is nothing about this government, which to me is in any way conservative. Yeah, and... And, you know, Mike, if you look at the Conservative Party, if you look at the Conservative Party manifesto on which they're elected, there is virtually no pledge that they haven't already broken. Mm. And you've already mentioned the increase in national insurance. But, you know, they've, they've driven a coach and horses through their Brexit promises. Yeah. You know, I don't mean to go, bring you back to Northern Ireland, but they said the entire country would leave the United Kingdom, uh, leave the U European Union as one United Kingdom. Well, we've got Northern Ireland still left in the EU. Yeah. The Prime Minister has repeatedly said he would invoke Article 16. He wouldn't hesitate to invoke it. All he's done is hesitate. Mm. We signed up to swathes of EU laws, which they try and sweep under the carpets, but we're aligned with EU laws on state aid, employment, uh, uh, competition, the environment. Net zero is now an international treaty commitment mm. by the United Kingdom. 
So this, this, this big state high taxation government that Johnson's produced, he can't roll back because he's committed to it under this international treaty. No, this government is awful. This is, they've broken, they're not just not conservative, they've broken every manifesto pledge. Mm. Um, you know, they should just be thrown out. It, 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 I, I don't normally speak in this kind of hyperbolic sense, it, it, in these hyperbolic terms, but we reached a point now where he needs to be called out, this government yeah. needs to be called out, they need to go. And Liz Truss, by the way, who's done a great, great job rolling over deals, is going to buckle to the EU over Northern Ireland. She's already on her way to see Simon Coveney. Why isn't Coveney coming to London? Mm. Why hasn't she invoked Article 16? Why is she entertaining Maros Sefcovic next week at evening? These are all signs yeah. of utter weakness. Absolutely. It's time for this government to get a grip, protect our borders properly, take control of Northern Ireland, deliver the Brexit they promised, not the flannel that the Prime Minister put in his New Year's Eve note, mm. uh, but to deliver it properly, reduce the size of the state, reduce regulations in the UK, cut taxes on fuel, cut taxes for the general public, make us a nimble, independent, lean, mean fighting machine. That's yes. what the UK needs to be. We need to be a Singapore on Thames. So I'm kind of ranting now. But, That's good. You know, I'm, he's I'm enjoying gone completely it. Listen, in the, but we're two years on then. Direction. I'm yeah. going to ask you to stop for a second because we're going to take a breath, but we've got lots more to say about this because we are we're two years on from signing the deal, from breaking away, and yet we're still having this conversation. Ben Habib is with us. We know you want to talk to us about this as well. Uh, listen, nothing has changed as far as my, my uh, misgivings are concerned about Boris Johnson. He's started to do the right thing before New Year, but yet we are still hanging about. Brexit's still not done properly. The migrant situation is ridiculous, and I think the question does have to be asked, how many is too many? How many people even live in this country? Does anybody actually know? Talk Radio. Best recipe ever. Pan-national agitated debate and discussion. Radio with an answer for everything. Powered by your opinions. Something to talk about. Talk Radio. A home of common sense. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're talking to Ben Habib about a great many things, including the migrant crisis, which continues, of course, into 2022. We've already got boats arriving. They're probably arriving even as we speak. Pretty cold out there. Uh, but if as long as the sea is relatively calm, uh, the border force will continue to help people. The RNLI will continue to help people ashore. Uh, and we'll have more and more and more and more and more people. It's just ridiculous. You cannot continually fill a country with people and expect there to be no uh, actual hangover the next day. Um, how about this from D5? Bristol Colston issue shows that practically every British institution, from the media to the judiciary, the universities, the arts and charities, the police and the quangos, are stuffed full of unelected lefties that do not have the best interests of the UK at heart. And on the subject of uh, statues being pulled down in general, uh, Robert says, I'm not too keen on the Dennis Bergkamp statue outside the Emirates Stadium. Would it be OK if I pulled it down, asking for a Tottenham friend? Well, of course. I mean, apparently it's OK now. You want to be on the right side of history. Ben, I mean, people are... Uh, are taking this quite seriously, this uh, this ridiculous issue. But back to uh, back to Boris and back to Brexit and back to what we have to do. People always say to me, why are you always attacking Boris Johnson? You don't want to see Keir Starmer in charge. I don't think there's any danger of that. So surely what we have to do is look at the uh, Conservative Party and see who is in it that could actually lead it in a way that would be acceptable to those of you, uh, those of us who want them to be Conservative. The, the, the argument that you mustn't attack Boris for fear of getting care is a fundamentally flawed argument. Mm. 
that is basically suggesting that you should surrender doing the right thing because everything else is worse. Right. Um, uh, you know, we are one of the greatest nations. I know lots of the woke illiberal lot won't like me saying this, but we are one of the greatest nations in the world. And I'm certain we can produce a better prime minister and cabinet than the one we've got at the moment. Yes, I think that's um, absolutely right. There's no doubt. I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg, who a lot of people don't have time for, uh, particularly those on the left. I mean, he's out there now sort of actively, hopefully campaigning to say we must do away with this tax rise, this national insurance tax rise in April. People will not stand for it. I was very pleased to see him come out saying that because he's, you know, he's very close to the prime minister. He's quite a chum. Mm. And they've been cheek and jowl throughout the Brexit process. And, and I found Jacob Rees-Mogg very disappointing, actually, in the you know, final throes of Brexit. Yeah. Because he, he effectively gave up and signed up to Boris Johnson's uh, brino uh, sort of deal. But yeah. it's really good to see Jacob Rees-Mogg now standing up mm. for traditional conservative values. Um, that national insurance increase should not go through. We've had a massive hike in inflation. We've had a massive hike in the cost of fuel. Um, we, we should be going in the opposite direction on taxes, particularly taxes that affect the working class, because it's them who pick up the burden of these increased costs. It's not the rich. It's not the well-off. It's not you and me, Mike. It's the, it's the working classes who are getting nobbled. Yeah. And that national insurance increase hits them harder than it hits anyone else. It's absolutely iniquitous for the prime minister to talk about leveling up the country mm. and be and be increasing national insurance. And he did it, by the way. Rishi Sunak did it in September. He said he was going to increase national insurance. And then when he came out with his budget in November, they found another 154 billion. I don't know if you remember this, yes. but they found another 154 billion to spend. Yeah. So why don't they save some of that 154 billion and reduce the burden of 12 billion a year on the working yeah. class. It makes no sense to Absolutely me. Absolutely right. And so, also the, the supposed uh, reason for this hike in national insurance is to reduce the number of people waiting for an operation in the NHS. And you know as well as I do, the NHS is a bottomless pit. You might as well throw as much money as you want in there. You might as well throw, you know, Buckingham Palace, the Tower of London and Canary Wharf in with it, you know, because it'll disappear into the vast black hole that is our useless health service. The, the NHS is not needy of more money. It needs to be reformed completely. And it's yeah. not a matter of chucking more doctors at it. It's a matter of making sure that it dispenses healthcare in a sensible fashion. It isn't doing that at the moment. And I'm afraid this notion that everything should be free at the point of delivery is wrong. Mm. You know, it's just simply wrong. Well, it isn't anyway. It's not free. I mean, it's a complete fallacy to make out that it's free. 20% of my income tax and 20% of your income tax goes to pay for the NHS. That's not well, free. Well, no, that's, I mean, yeah, no, but I mean, for the, you know, for the beneficiary of their dispensing activity, whatever that might be, you know, at that point of receipt, it, it's free and that's completely wrong. Oh, no, Mike, it's the biggest single independent user of government mm. finances. Yeah. You know, it's 150 billion a year on the NHS. And as you rightly say, it isn't working. Um, the, the waiting list for the NHS was 4 million, and that was regarded as too high before yeah. the pandemic. It's now 6 million. It's forecast to go to 8 million next year. Yeah. This is largely as a result of the policies adopted by the Prime Minister through the pandemic, with this incessant focus on COVID, mm. allowing all sorts of other problems to build up, making us even less able to deal with small increases in hospitalizations. Yeah. And so the NHS now, 
it was broken before the pandemic. It's doubly broken now because of the policies instituted by the Prime mm. Minister. And we need a root and branch reform of the NHS. It's not about it's not about money. It's not about chucking another 12 billion a year at it. It's about reforming the whole machinery of how it operates. Totally. I mean, I spoke to a GP the other day who was saying that before Christmas, when Boris announced um, blithely that we should all um, get our boosters and that we were gearing up for everybody in the country to get one, he basically said that that threw every single GP surgery into turmoil because they had to turn everybody, everybody else away and just concentrate on giving people boosters. And he reckoned that the waiting list problem will not go away for five to ten years. So it's entirely feasible yeah. that if you wanted a knee operation or something, you could be told it will be two or three years before they could even do it. Exactly. And, you know, these knee jerk responses, policy decisions made on the hoof by government and Boris Johnson is past master at this, you know, send have all sorts of unintended consequences, which knock on, you know, it's butterfly wings and uh, the the knock on effects are vast. And we're seeing that now with with, with the pandemic, thankfully, I think, coming to an end. You know, we're seeing it with the breaking supply chains, with the increase in inflation, with the shortage of gas. We're seeing really very broad and deep adverse consequences from the policies that were adopted to fight COVID. And we we never took a holistic approach Mm. to it. Now, lots of people would be listening to me speaking and saying, well, actually, the entire West did what we did. The entire, you know, all developed nations did it. But it, it was a ridiculous experiment. It was an experiment that was made without any kind of analysis of the broader implications of what was being done. And if you look at death figures, by the way, Mike, I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you look at death figures going back over the last five years, they've hardly budged Mm. in 2019, 2020 uh, and 2021. They're the same. You know, around 560,000 people have died every year in the UK over that period. So all those preventions that we put in place, um, you know, all the the lockdown and all all the predilection we had, you know, with with COVID hasn't actually made a dent. No. Uh, no, it hasn't. hasn't I mean, we had Francis Hoare on the show yesterday, uh, Ben, and he reminded everybody that basically we uh, had something like 640 deaths of people from COVID under the age of 60 without any kind of other underlying yeah. health problems. And so that's p- pretty much where we are. Listen, I've got to run. Uh, we've run late already. Ben, thanks very much indeed for your time. Ben Habib there agreeing with me that this country surely now is full up, surely now has to be putting up the red light and saying, sorry, no entry. We are no longer able to take any more people because we are full. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, Let's talk now to Harry Miller, former police officer, of course, founder of the Fair Cop Group, a man who I'm sure, like me, is horrified that Bristol appears to have become the Wild West. Harry, what's going on? Very good uh, morning to you. It it is the Wild West. If you look at the the defence put up, uh, by those absolute idiots. It was quite incredible. They said that the statue itself was a Section 5 public order offence. The statue itself. Not only that, they also argued that it breached um, it, it breached the 1981 Obscene uh, Publications or Obscene Representations Act or something. And therefore, they, they decided that they would take it into their hands to cancel um, the, the statue, and not only cancel it, but roll it into roll it into the dock. And of course, the problem with that is um, that the police from day one encouraged. I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, the, the, the the commander um, in charge oh, of the yeah. operation at Bristol. Uh, he he was very sympathetic um, 
to, 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 to well, they to quoted they quoted from him in the court, right? In the same yeah. way that they also quoted from the mayor of Bristol, um, who's about as left wing as Che Guevara, to be honest. And the idea that they sort of make out that oh, well, the establishment thought it was okay. Well, this is not the establishment; these are the new lefties who are in charge of the police of the city. Yeah, that's exactly. It. So now, now we have a situation where we have different laws for different regions. Because all you need to do now is is do something you're absolutely obscene in an area. Uh, that's that's filled with sort of brown-shirted, red-blooded uh, lefties. And um, you can pretty much guarantee that you'll go in front of a jury of your peers and be acquitted, because all you will have to do is cite this case and say, I'm on the right side of history. Do you, the jury, want to be on the right side of history? Forget the law. The law's old hat, by the way. The law was probably written by white supremacists. <laughs> so, so reject the law and acquit me. And juries are so dumb, they go, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Um, you're acquitted. Yeah. So that, is no, that is no way to run a country, Mike. On the basis of that, on the basis of this, you know, a thing, a thing can be a public order offence. You know, just, down, just down the road from me, uh, there's Joseph Banks's old house. Uh, and he was, the, he was the fellow that set up Kew Gardens. Now, apparently, he's got some link uh, to slavery. Yeah. So what I can do, of course, you just wander down there and sling a brick through the window and cite this defence yeah. because I find that the house and the representation of that house um, to be utterly offensive. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do something about it. As you say, Mike, this is this is the Wild West. Yes, and it's also kind of logic turned upside down on its head, 360 degrees, 180 degrees, whatever you want to call it. It's completely mad because one of their actual um, lines of defence was that they were, in fact, not committing a crime. They were stopping crimes from being committed because clearly when anybody walks past the statue, the statue is, in fact, committing a hate crime. So the statue, has, exactly so the statue has now become uh, an animate object uh, which can actually do things to people. Well, it, it reminds me of the old um, Stalinist way of going on. Yeah. That, you know, if, if your parents happen to own a grand piano, this was evidence of you being bourgeois <laughs> and should immediately be taken to the gulag and shot. Right. This, 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 this is where we're at, where inanimate objects, which remind us of a past, become objects of hate. Uh, and that is, it is the duty of every person on the right side of history to tear them down and throw them in the dock. Yeah. Well, we're a step away there from tearing people down and throwing them in the dock, Mike. Mm. And that's why you rightly categorise it as being the Wild West. We should have no part of it whatsoever. No. And that's why I say the police forces have become entirely political. Yeah, entirely the... political. And what will you this know, mean? It's, I it's mean, the job the... of the police hmm. not, not to side with Black Lives Matter. It's the job of the police to serve the law without fear and without favour. And the second they stop over, they cross over that line into making political judgments, we then have an ideological political police force. Now, of course, you and I know that we've had an ideological political peace, police force for quite some time. The, the, the line of defence against that was that we, we, we hopefully still had a judiciary which was sane and um, juries which were sane. But clearly, we're, we're, we're losing that as well. Well, we are. So, Stalin, here we come. Because also, I mean, you can tell this superintendent was being slightly disingenuous because at the time when the offence was being committed and his officers were standing by watching it all going on as they dragged the statue down and then chucked it in the river, um, he claimed that the reason they didn't act at that moment was because he didn't wish to cause further public disorder. And it was nothing to do with the fact that he thought they were doing the right thing. He just said, well, we didn't want to cause a riot, so we didn't arrest them. And then they arrested them later. I mean, surely if the police officer in charge of Bristol thinks that they haven't done the wrong thing, what was he doing arresting them then? 
Yeah, exactly. Again, that's that's a lame, pathetic excuse. When when there is a public order offence and an act of vandalism taking place in front of your eyes in public and in front of the world's eyes because the TV crews are there, it's your job to go in there and assert the law, make the arrests, throw people into the Black Mariah, mm. take them to take them down to the police station, read them their rights and then get them in front of a court and a jury that is sane and that will send them to prison or find them, or at the very least, find them guilty because without a shadow of a doubt, they broke the law. They broke the law. Now, of course, the consequence of this is that there will now be a legitimate defence at law because they will be able to cite this. For any lunatic who wishes to go and, I don't know, I think there are four or five Peel statues uh, knocking around the country. Now, apparently... Uh, Robert Peel, the founder of the police yeah. force, he had a father who had some dodgy, uh, some dodgy ideas. So, of course, naturally, because he's only one generation removed, that his statues need turning down. Yes. Uh, poor old, I, I fear for Nelson's column. I really <laughs> do. It can only be a matter of time before that is toppled. Well, I can't believe head. Sadiq Khan hasn't taken a chainsaw to that. You know, I mean, you imagine that's what he would want to do. I think these idiots, these bozos, though, by the way, these uh, these Marxists had an attack uh, on one of the Peel statues, which turned out to be the wrong Peel. Uh, it was somebody who had nothing to do with the other people. And in fact, they just peeled off the wrong one. But I mean, what about this, right? This is not the first time this has happened. It happened in this last summer with Extinction Rebellion. Six of them uh, who were up in front of the beak for, um, uh, for for breaking windows at Canary Wharf. They all got let off by a judge who said he thought that they were doing it for a good reason. And you're kind of going, fine. Are they going to pay for the damage that was caused to the uh, to the headquarters of uh, HSBC or whatever it was? And also, what sort of message does this send to the police officers on the streets of Bristol? Well, the, the, the message that it sends is that I am an ideological police officer and I need to check my ideology. Yes. I need to check my thinking and I need to check the motivations of these people. And irrespective of the actions, if, if, if I see that they are on the right side of history and they are sort of pro-anti-racism and pro-anti-history and anti-slavery, then really, really what we need to do is just to let them off because mm. it's a human right, isn't it? It's a human well, right, isn't it? And what about this? There's nothing to stop these characters now from getting a lawyer and saying, I'll tell you what, this jury said that we didn't do anything wrong. We were upholding rather than breaking the law. Yeah. And so we're now going to sue you for wrongful arrest, uh, wrongful imprisonment and as much money as we can get out of you. Yeah, well, yeah, there is. I don't think they'd be successful on that one. I think that that would be pushing it a little bit. My worry is that this is going to be a legitimate defence for any other idiot who decides to attack a statue or anything else that they find to be defensive yeah. because it reminds them that history wasn't perfect. Right. Isn't that amazing, Mike? People in history weren't perfect. Mm. And that's the beautiful thing about history. History is in the past. And what we should do is we should learn from history. We should walk past a statue of, say, Colson and go, my goodness, isn't human nature complex? Because there's a guy who people at the time celebrated, and yet he was pro-slavery. Human nature is very, very complex. We need reminding of this rather than categorising everything as good, bad, you know, etc., yeah. and walk away and learn from it. I yeah, but hang on a minute. People... Let me just put one more thing to you, Harry. You know, if people are so concerned about slavery, why don't they go and visit some of the garment districts of this country where people are working in sweatshop conditions, uh, being paid an absolute pittance uh, in, in ways which you would not believe? Uh, and, why, oh, yeah. and why do they continue to buy garments made uh, by slaves in China, in Pakistan, in India? You know, why do they keep doing that? If they're so concerned about slavery, why don't they fix modern-day slavery? Exactly. You know, £2.50 for a sparkling dress. 
I mean, where do where? Listen, I've, think, I haven't who, bought one of those for ages. <laughs> who do you think is ditching <laughs> up? Well, all the sparky dresses, of course, are being bought up by 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 the police, aren't they? To um, new uniforms for their trans officers. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> uh, and of course, we've got the footballers. We've got the footballers who are going absolutely mental. Yeah, uh, absolutely delighted that Newcastle United has been bought by a slave enabling, slave holding murderer of journalists. And people are planning to go to Qatar uh, and watch football in in stadiums which were built, which are currently being built by modern day slaves. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, they won't. They won't do that, will they? They won't do that because fundamentally, these people are ignorant uh, and they're also utterly cowardly. Yes, and utterly useless as well, and no doubt uh, drains <laughs> on the state as well. Harry, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Harry Miller, uh, founder of the Fair Cop Group. You can't disagree with the word he says, can you? I mean, this is, of course peak madness that we have now reached forget about it just go to a jury tell them that you're on the right side of history tell them to acquit you of whatever crime you've committed on the basis that it was a political crime uh, rather than a breaking of the law and you'll just get off amazing how about this from uh, dave who's not too bright i'm afraid uh, he says this mike graham considers himself not to be working class i don't think i've ever said that but i don't think i am let's see where is he now at work and what's he doing working why is he working because he openly admits he can't afford things if it walks, sounds and talks like a duck, I guess it's a duck. Dave, I suppose you'd say the same about Jacob Rees-Mogg then. Jacob Rees-Mogg is currently at work. Uh, what's he doing at work? He's working. Why is he working? Uh, because he has a job. Does that make him working class? Because I think Jacob Rees-Mogg might differ from you on that one. Thanks, Dave, uh, for your input. Uh, we'll let you know. Uh, don't call us. We won't call you. This is Talk Radio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, the home of common sense, the world headquarters, of course, of all things that are good, all things that are informative, all things that are also a little bit entertaining. And I tell you what, uh, we've got another victory for the Independent Republic. I know it's only the first week of January, uh, but already uh, we can claim a victory because you might remember yesterday I told you the story of the peeing postman. Uh, that's right, the postman who urinated into the um, bush uh, and a hedge next to uh, the front door of a man whose letters he had just delivered. Uh, it was up in uh, Wellingborough, up in Northampton. 
Lincolnshire. Uh, and the bloke who owns the house, Christopher Mears, said that he realised something had gone wrong uh, when he saw a puddle outside his front door. Uh, he then went back and replayed the footage from his video camera on the front door. And unfortunately, uh, it showed the postman walking up, putting the letters in the box and then turning around and having a not very discreet pee into the hedge. Uh, looking at the camera all the while. He's now been suspended by Royal Mail um, and Mr Mears says he believes they should be taking it very seriously indeed. And quite right too. I mean, I did have a couple of uh, communiques from the postal men yesterday, posties who said, well, what were you supposed to do for four and a half hours? Well, I assume on your route you must know a couple of places uh, where there might be uh, public lavatories. I know that they haven't always been made available to people and sometimes they've been closed, but surely there must be a better way. You can't be going around peeing in people's front gardens. That's just not right. So another victory for the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, for endorsing it for me. Uh, let's talk now, though, to Kevin O'Sullivan, because uh, he, of course, is on tonight from 7 to 10. Um, the Pope has come out today, of all days, uh, and said that he thinks people who don't have kids and have dogs instead are showing a certain selfishness. He says that basically it's another phenomenon of cultural degradation, claims that emotional relationships with pets are wrong and it should be a better way to go if you actually have children. Now, Kevin O'Sullivan and I have been mates for a very long time and as long as I've known him, he's always had a pet. He's always had a dog, sometimes more than one, um, but he's never had any kids. Kevin, Pope says you're selfish, mate. It's, that's me he's talking about, your holiness. Uh, I think this is outrageous. You know, uh, it's, this is none of his business how married couples uh, choose to live their lives. Uh, and uh, this is the kind of declaration uh, that will not do uh, either the Holy Father or uh, the Catholic Church any favours at all. And I say that with all due respect uh, to the Catholic Church and to the Pope. But this time he's crossed the line. No, don't tell me whether or not I've got to have <laughs> the children. Pope has crossed if the I line. don't have children, you know, I'm selfish. And if I do have dogs, as you say, my whole life, well, my most of my adult life, I've been married and I've had dogs, but right. never kids. Right, but you are quite a selfish guy, though, Kevin. I mean, you might as well admit it. This is now for me. Fair point. This is, Fair point. This, is this is now absolute utter confirmation uh, from His Holiness. And I'm a good Catholic boy. I was raised a Catholic, went to Catholic school, and everything. Uh, you know, I've, I've given up saying the Hail Mary. I must say, but but nevertheless, yeah. you know, he has kind of nailed it. I think for for me, because um, you know, you are, and you don't mind admitting it that you are selfish. Well, yeah, I'm a sort of self-centered kind of a guy. Uh, however, you know, uh, in terms of me not being selfish, uh, unlike Boris Johnson, and if you don't mind me saying so, you, Mike, yes. I'm trying to save the planet uh, from overpopulation. Yes. Well, you I are suppose the of journalism, mate. <laughs> I suppose you might <laughs> turning say turning out kids left, right, and centre for years. I mean, the only the only person who knows even less about having kids than you is the Pope. I mean, he's yeah. never he's never even he's never even tried he's never even tried to make one, has he? You know. <laughs> Well, one would hope not, put it that way. Uh, but seriously, I mean, I do think he's overstepped the mark there. I mean, there are well, there will be many Catholics uh, around the world who will be rather offended by uh, this intrusion. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to say who does he think he is, mm. but he does have a very high moral position. So that's not a valid thing to well, say. Well, yeah. I mean, a great, thing a, about, got... a great thing about being the Pope is if somebody says to you, you know, who do you think you are? God's representative on earth or something? Yeah. Like, well, actually, yeah, I am, you know. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think you are? The Pope? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, you are. Uh, but seriously, I, th I, just, I just don't think uh, he thought this through. No. It's an extraordinary thing to say.
It really is. But, you know, there'll be lots of people who are Catholic who like what the Pope has to say normally. They'll be sitting around, maybe because they couldn't have kids, thinking, this is awful. You know, he's making me feel really bad. He's making people feel guilty, which is not what you're meant to do if you're the head of the Catholic Church, is it? Exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I spotted this story myself this morning. I'm going to cover this tonight. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'll do it as a jokey kind of a piece. Uh, but uh, no, no, I'm not going to do it like that. I want to get a, a serious representative of the Catholic Church on mm. to talk about it seriously, uh, because the, your instant response to it is sort of comedy. This yeah. is hilariously stupid yeah uh, but actually you should take it seriously because the pope is an important man and it is his job to make these moral declarations uh and on this occasion i think he's very very wrong but I, as i say i've got to stress i say this with the utmost respect for the pope and the catholic church but he's got this one wrong old francis i'm afraid well apparently here's another bit of info for you uh, apparently he doesn't own a pet himself which might tell you something about him his predecessor pope benedict the 16th was a big fan of cats Oh, really? Yeah. Really? I don't think uh, that so means the, the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think it means he had quite a lot of them. But I can't imagine the Vatican really being full of animals. Can you? Uh, no, I uh, just because uh, you remember that Francis at one point uh, in his reign uh, went out for a walk on the streets of Rome, yeah. uh, which is a very unusual thing to do. He just went out with a couple of his mates. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, was soon, was soon uh, uh, surrounded by a massive crowd of adorers. Yeah. Uh, but he is a person who tries to reach out to the people, and I like that. Um, but I'm just trying to envisage in my mind the, the, the sight of the Pope wandering through the streets of Rome with a dog on a lead. Walking uh, a dog, yeah. yeah. Crude, is it? Well, I think you might give up the job if you introduce him to Chasbo, you know, who would no doubt wreak, <laughs> wreak havoc inside of the, uh, the, his holiness. Yeah, my dog, Chasbo. Your holiness, do you think you can save this dog soul no way <laughs> absolutely not what else you got coming up tonight kev uh well i am I, I want to ask you've been doing this story quite rightly all morning mate i want to ask why on earth are the somerset and avon police not appealing this ludicrous mm. decision to acquit the colston four rather than supinely saying we respect Oh, yes. decision. This is the same police force that when they were committing this criminal damage, it was criminal damage. Mm. Uh, the cops stood back and respectfully let them do this. If we're going to have a police force that doesn't respect the law, then we are going to hell in a handcart. Yeah. We really are. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, this is what I said. You know, Bristol is effectively now the Wild West. And they used the superintendent's quote in the courtroom as defence for them because he said they did the right thing. That's great, isn't yeah, it? No, we, we cannot have this. We cannot have, you know, it's like with me saying, uh, you know, oh, uh, did you murder that guy? Yeah, I did, but he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a bad guy. He's connected to slavery. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're acquitted. This is this is lawlessness. <laughs> it is madness. Uh, it is it is a state falling apart at the seams. If you can't have the rule of law and you can't have the courts enforcing the rule of law, where the hell are we heading? This is just getting absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, in terms of what I've got coming up tonight as well, I'm going to touch on another story that you're talking about: uh, the border force. Oh yeah. So we're now in a situation where the border force, essentially employees of the Home Secretary, uh, are actively going to defy her and take her to court. Because no. she says, Could, would you mind trying to stop the migrants coming into this country? No, we won't. No. This is, again, is absurd. This country, if we don't get this stuff uh, into check, we're going to be in big trouble. This is sort of insurrection. It's absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. Kevin, great to see you. Thank you very much indeed. We'll see you tonight from 7 o'clock. 
the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So Kathy Adams is in the studio. Delighted Hello, to yes. see you. We you got too. lucky. We got lucky. We, we were just did. talking, funnily enough, before the news about Pete office workers not being back in the office. Oh, no. Because about three quarters of them are not. But And this is a pretty empty office building at the moment. Oh, but, yeah. It's but, such but, a pleasure to be back. I mean, just well, to move out of my neighbourhood. It's I know, just a real novelty. I know. Also, it's actually quite nice that it's a bit empty again because it yeah. got quite full just before Christmas. Um, and now a lot of people have gone back to working from home. But, I mean, this is great news for the travel industry, apart from anything else, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing news. I mean, and it was long overdue because yeah. I think it was at the start of December we went back to the summer rules yes. of last year which as you just mentioned are pre-departure tests day two PCR tests and that brought with it a whole host of, of issues you know you mentioning one of them yeah the problem when you're abroad especially with you know in the midst of, of Omicron everybody being infected it mm. being incredibly transmissible yeah what happens you go on holiday you catch Omicron what happens when you test positive before you come back yes most countries will make you you know quarantine yeah. for however many days I mean, it's a bit unsure actually in America because I've spoken to a couple of people in America who say you can't actually be quarantined in the US because it's against your kind of rights under the Constitution. Oh, but effectively, okay. you'd still have to be in a hotel, probably, yeah. um, because you'd all have to be self-isolating yep. as yep. a family. I mean, in yep. my case, well, there'd be four of us, right? So you'd probably have to pay for two hotel rooms yep. unless you really wanted to annoy each other for a week. <laughs> And I know of a case where a family of four had one uh, one of their kids test positive and then at the end of the, the first period of isolation went to get the second test to come back and then the other kid tested positive. So oh, it was like two weeks worth of nightmare. money. And some people yeah. will say that you can get that back on travel insurance. But I imagine that's quite complicated. It is very complicated, yeah. I mean, travel insurance um, is trying to keep up with all of the, the changes, but it is also quite hard. And yeah. obviously, COVID is a massive risk. It's mm. a known risk. You right. know, you fly abroad you might well come back and you're with, kind with of, COVID. Yeah, you're kind of taking that chance, aren't you? You are, you are. And a lot, a large part of that, I think, comes to just kind of personal risk and how you want to assess yeah. the situation. Like, right. me personally, I couldn't wait to go abroad. I went abroad to New Year, yeah. went to uh, Spain for a few days. Okay. It was wonderful. But, oh my gosh, the nerves taking those pre-departure tests right. was phenomenal. Mm. I mean, we, we have a two-year-old, an almost two-year-old, and just the idea of having to isolate in a hotel room with him yes. for however many more days was just oh, anathema. Right. Yeah. So And I know of places oh. I'm a bit like here, for example, people were coming back from, from trips abroad, mm. couldn't get their two day test for say a week. Yes, so they're now labs sitting, were just so completely then, yeah, over. So you're overloaded. sitting at home for yeah. a week and if you're yeah. somebody like me, I yeah. only get paid for Benali, don't pay me for not being here. <laughs> you know, if I sit at home I don't get anything. So, you know, for people who would have to kind of go into quarantine effectively or just wait for the, yeah. for the PCR bonkers. test. That Completely was bonkers. bonkers. And in yeah. America, I also heard of people who, because they've run out of tests, because so many people have, have, have been taking tests for one way, for one reason or another. Yeah. And I know but my daughter was there. She had to try and get a, a, a test to get back to Dubai. Um, couldn't find anywhere that had one. And then you kind of go, well, what do I do now? What do I do? And the thing is, you need this one bit of paper. That's yeah. all it is. It's one bit of paper. So when we're in Spain, we try to get pre-departure tests on New Year's Eve, Obviously, four o'clock New Year's Eve, the labs, it's Spain. It's right. a red-blooded country. They right. want to go out drinking. They were like, you are joking if you think right. you're going to be able to get a test. Like, yeah. We have nothing. We had to pay a doctor from the local hospital, come to our hotel, test us, and then give us a bit of paper. And wow. this bit of paper was then just kind of, you know, customarily really glanced yeah. at at the airport. Right. And But these are the hoops that we had to jump through. And 
you know, I was willing to do that. And mm. obviously people visiting friends and family, yeah. you know, for a big trip, it's completely understandable that you want to do that. And for me, travel is always worth yes. that, that extra kind of premium, even though I know how lucky I am to be able to, yeah. to do it in the and first you know, place. But the thing is, you know, the you other know. problem with the whole lockdown scenario and the whole, I mean, I've only been to the Isle of Wight basically in the last two years. Oh. It's all I've done. And I'm sorry to sound it's so boring. Though, so My family place, have been abroad you know. a few times because they've been able to take the mm. risk. But, you know, I was like, I can't do it. You know, I can't miss blah, whatever. Anyway, so um, the, whole, it's, the, 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 the thought of going to the US was kind of, leaning heavily on my shoulders as well because i don't know what immigration is going to be like it's bad enough normally you know you wait for about an hour to get through i don't know whether it's a lot worse mm. now or whether because of covid it's it's become like twice as long just don't know i actually don't know either and i probably would bank on immigration in the us the being lines worse. always being worse yeah. than than better just because right. you have such a kind of package of paperwork yes. to check i mean coming back into the uk i've, I've actually traveled mm. thankfully quite a lot during the pandemic right. even though i had a baby right at the beginning of the pandemic yes. and you know he's coming up to his paying for That's a flight weird, isn't time it? So he's a pandemic baby he's a true pandemic wow. baby yep we got home from the hospital three hours later we're all locked down i never How saw funny. another soul awful that i will tell you about that on a yeah. completely separate episode but i'm very keen because he's free on a plane before he's two yes. and he's going to be two in march right. really really keen to maximize those that's chances, one of the right? worst things actually that, that they then start charging you like full price and they give know. you like 10 percent off or something it, I, I actually <laughs> haven't looked into it but i think it's i seem to remember that yeah lines. it was something like that they give you yeah. like, some ludicrous amount off like nothing so you know so i want to like get out there and, and like make yeah. the most you know but there are yeah but their argument yeah. is well he's taking up a seat so he might as well pay the same he's never i mean he's you know he's very much sort of still like draped on me yeah yeah right anyway so when does all this start is it monday yeah no so this is the confusing thing so um when it was announced yesterday there are actually two separate dates you Mm. need to know about one of which is friday so 4 a.m on friday that is when tomorrow oh that's tomorrow yes it says it right so from 4 a.m tomorrow so only a few more hours left if you arrive into england and wales i believe after 4 a.m from tomorrow you no longer have to present that pre-departure test so taken within 48 hours of arriving into the country that has been scrapped so if you were flying say tonight out of somewhere like i don't know um out of new york um yeah. and you fly overnight you landed and you're landing after at 4 a.m yeah you don't need it no you don't need it and wow. i mean i'm sure maybe there are some if you land before that you can maybe hover back in the yeah. airport and wait i'm not entirely sure how that one works <laughs> right. um also being axed from tomorrow morning is the requirement to isolate so at the moment you are supposed to isolate for fo- not for 40 hours but until you get your negative yes. result your day two negative day result two, so yeah. Most of the time, if you're really smart about it, you can get your test done in the airport. Then you're probably only going to be isolating for 24 hours. I looked at that, and the airport testing regime is not particularly brilliant because I found that, um, for a start, the only uh, Heathrow anyway, the only place you could get a test shut at eight o'clock at night. Yeah, because when I was when I was planning this trip, I was right. Right, here's what we have. Here's how we're going to do it. And this Mm. is before they brought in the pre-departure test. I was right. We'll come back. I'll get the test at the airport. Uh, if we fly, I think we were flying back on yeah. Friday. So by really Sunday, sensible. by Sunday it will be sorted, and I'll be able to go back to work on Monday. Yeah. But then it meant that we were landing after eight o'clock. So I couldn't do that. Oh. So I had to then think about driving everybody home and then going back to do. Oh, it. back to the airport. Oh because my gosh. Because there's not yeah. that many places that will, will do a quick test. Yeah. But do you know how much they wanted for an immediate kind of you know four hour result test? Hundred quid. Four hundred pounds. Four per person. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the other three wouldn't have needed it, but yeah, I wanted yeah. it. 
But even so, I'm, I'm not paying that. The That's thing ridiculous. is, it's a captive market, though, yeah. isn't it? Because, you know, you arrive back, mm. no one wants to isolate for longer. That's right. what the pandemic has taught us. Right. No one wants to isolate at all. So you want to get your test done as quickly as possible. I mean, we had the same thing. We I tried to book an airport slot, but the problem is there's only a couple of testing companies at Heathrow. Right. All of the slots were fully booked, yeah. like, a week in advance. Right. And at this point, I didn't even know if we would need the PCR because what happened if we tested positive in our pre-departure tests and well, we didn't need the happens, slot? you can't leave, can you? Well, you precisely, you yeah, yeah. That's the tricky So, thing. that so, is tricky. So, 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 so thankfully, so that is now... pretty much 4am tomorrow. 4am tomorrow. All of that's gone. So, that has gone. Um, yeah, so the isolation requirement has gone. The pre-departure test requirement is gone. And then from 4am on Sunday, mm. that's when the PCR switches to the lateral flow, yes. which is so much easier. Yes. You know, it's And what's the thinking behind that? Is, I mean, because it seems to me that without wishing to put too fine a point on it, uh, the lateral flows are a little bit easier to get the result you want, shall we say, um, <laughs> without putting, without so, suggesting that anybody does anything nefarious. But, you know, yeah. the PCR registers with the system. Yes. The, the, the lateral flow doesn't. Well, you, with all the lateral flows that you can buy for travel, because yeah. you have to sort of go through a process on, on the passenger locator form before you fly back into the UK of buying mm. a lateral flow test from a kind of government approved company. And right. then you use that particular code on your PLF to be able to get back into the country. So all of these companies operate a sort of, I suppose, kind of self-certification process. Right. Some of them will watch you do it on, mm. on video, but right. others, you know, I've, I used a recent company back in kind of October time where I just uploaded my positive, right. sorry, not positive, my negative lateral flow result to their platform. Yeah. And then they kind of certified that I was negative. But right. of course, they didn't see me take it. They didn't see you take it, yeah. You know, I my think- sister actually came, she lives in the States and she came here in October and mm-hmm. she had a package that she'd got from, I think it was either American Airlines, I think it was American Airlines. And so she did a test here, but it was on video that she had to do it. Yeah, some um, will do and that. And it didn't work. So oh. it actually went, it wasn't that it was neg- it was positive or negative, it just didn't. It was it inconclusive. Was, it was inconclusive and, that, and it yeah. therefore meant that she had to take a different test, um, which she had to pay for here, which was fine, um, because she could afford it. But I mean, at least they're it, not that expensive, I suppose, is the kind no, of... No, no, that, that's the problem. Yeah. So as far as, um, so the lateral flows are things that you then, do you get those before you go? And so, so they're yeah, there, there, or, there are so a couple of ways come back or something? To, to do it, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, really, I just think the easiest way is to sort of order it towards the end of your holiday because right. at the moment you know testing is changing so much right. that we don't really know mm. even like a week later what the testing requirements are going to be right. i mean the government has signaled that they will be reviewed again at the end of january but right. i would say sort of from a common sense perspective you don't need to order your test kind of months in advance no. just wait and see right. so yeah order it i would say while you're away it can then get, be delivered to your house you'll get the code for your plf put that into the plf all you need to do then within the first two days of arrival it's just take the lateral flow test and yeah. then register the result. Register the result. Yeah. Ho- hopefully it's negative. Hopefully it's now, negative. Now, the other, the other big question <laughs> that a lot of people are asking me, of course, is, is for those who are not vaccinated, there's still not really a way of going anywhere, is there? Um, so some countries are more lenient than others. Okay. But obviously, then the rules to come back into the UK, if you're unvaccinated, are quite draconian. Right. I mean, you have to isolate for 10 days. You have to take the pre-departure test. Oh, so that's all still the case Yeah, that. that is also the case. You have to take a day two PCR test, a day eight PCR test. Um, and everywhere bar and Northern Ireland, you can test release. Is that to go anywhere? That's to go anywhere, yeah, because mm. the red list now is no longer. Okay. So if you ever go out of the UK, you, you come back. And yeah, you have to basically take three tests to come back right. into England 
Okay. And Wales and Scotland. And the other, yeah. and the other question, of course, that other people are asking: fully vaccinated has now become sort of one of those phrases that yes. nobody's quite sure what it means. Does it mean two? Does it mean three? Will it mean four? Yeah. Well, you know. this is the ongoing question. So right now it means two jabs, yeah. but I know that the government and Boris Johnson said it in his um, briefing the other week, uh, the other week, the other day, yeah. that the government is moving towards you know obviously as a way of encouraging people to get boosted as well young mm. people in particular they're moving towards maybe a definition of fully vaccinated being three jabs yeah um, i mean mine i had my booster last month and it immediately showed on my nhs app you know right. so at least the technology is is keeping up uh-huh. and it's it's there ready to be used yeah but i mean increasingly especially in europe we are seeing that countries are now saying that to be fully vaccinated you have to have had your booster yeah um in the eu i know has proposed that so mm. I think and so that would become an EU-wide thing, presumably. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, we're exempt from that in right. the UK, but um, I think that's going to be a situation that's going to come into force right. pretty soon. But, but I mean, we wouldn't be exempt if you wanted to go to the EU, though, would right? Oh, I see. Um, so I need to check on that one, but I'm right. pretty sure. Yeah, a lot of countries it's are now a, saying, that, especially Austria, it? you need three jabs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we basically moved the trip that we were going to do in December to half term, which is February, um, and. On, on the basis that hopefully everything will be fine but of course what we don't know and I was talking to my sister last night is whether or not the Americans are going to do something different yeah. because there was at one point a suggestion that they might ask people to quarantine if we oh, were coming gosh. from Britain so you'd literally go there and have to quarantine for seven days you're only going for seven days so yeah, like, I mean, you know, yeah there's, there's no point is right. there at all? I mean I, I, I would hope that after kind of 19 months of complete closure in the US yeah. you know after a very splashy opening in November, right at the start of November, that hopefully common sense has sort of prevailed. I right. mean, we are now in a situation, you know, around the world where we have to start trying to find ways to live yeah. with COVID. Yeah. You know, Omicron especially is is super transmissible, and it seems to me that quarantining, excuse me, is not necessarily the way forward. But I do understand why governments well, want, though, want to yeah. do it. You well, know, it seems to as though mitigate their risk. But except, you know, as they've more or less, I think, worked out that Omicron is so prevalent. That there isn't any point in trying to stop it coming into the country. Anymore. Well, this is why and there really all the rules are as actually, they are. Yeah, yeah. And there actually wasn't any point yeah. trying to stop it even when they did because yeah. it was already here. Um, but I wonder whether this will stimulate tourism coming into the country in the UK. Yes, it absolutely that's will. What we need. Yes, it absolutely will. And I mean, you know, the UK kind of inbound um, tourism, yeah. you know, um, sector has just been crying out for these changes because nobody really wants to come to a country where they have to take two at a minimum tests right. that are going to cost you sort of again at a minimum right. maybe 100 pounds and right. then obviously you run the risk of and this is it being when positive when, when we've all you, been vaccinated yeah family of four it's suddenly it's quite an expensive yeah I mean, it can be up to kind of 500 quid you know yeah. you mentioned 400 pounds for your yeah. test so yeah i i, th- I really think it, it's just such amazing news across the board you right. know for outbound travelers yeah. as well and for the inbound tourism sector i mean london has got so much to offer mm. okay it's looking a bit gray and miserable today fine it's very cold but there's so much stuff going mm. on and you know we, we really want to open our arms and again, you know I what think. before the sort of the, the pre-christmas kind of downer from old christmas yeah. and uh, his, his, his colleagues uh, and everybody basically cancelled all the christmas parties it was getting quite london was quite quite busy very oh, i gosh, mean you know yeah. oxford street was rammed you know i was yeah. around a couple of weekends and it was really really the, the streets were full of people the bars were full yeah. you couldn't yeah. get tables at restaurants and then suddenly that was all killed yeah. so hopefully that's going to come back as well i hope so and i mean we'll people be- are going to be naturally i think a little bit more sensitive yeah. you know, almost kind of like self-regulating yeah, yeah. their behavior but but yeah. the, i mean i know so many people who have said have said to me oh i've got it i've had it you know yeah and maybe that makes them slightly more willing to go out and see whether yeah. they can actually have a good time what about so do you think do you expect people to start booking summer holidays now then 
I would hope so. But I think generally what, what we have seen over the pandemic is that the trend has been towards just waiting and seeing a little bit more. Mm. So, you know, some people are really bullish. I'm always going to be very bullish, always yeah. going to be on that first plane. Right. But other people are thinking, OK, exactly what has happened. Let's just wait and see, mm. you know, especially across kind of Europe, like countries shutting their borders to Brits, you know, just some might say it's political. I'm not going to comment. Yeah. But um I think if you book now, you can get an amazing deal. Mm. If you hold your nerve, you can get an amazing deal. But yeah, there are risks. And I think now we all have to consider those yeah. and just how much can you stomach, you yeah, know, as right. a traveller. So. Absolutely. Okay. Well, listen, Cathy, great to see you. Thank you so much you for too. coming in. Thanks for having um, me. And we'll see you again, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, at the next juncture, whatever <laughs> that is. Um, Cathy Adams from The Times. A uh, Times travel, of course. Uh, you can check it out. And I'm sure there'll be lots of very interesting places to go to uh, in the travel section. Uh, you just have to, as she says, hold your nerve. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 